There's a scene in the second Lord of the Rings in which Frodo and his friend Sam find themselves journeying through a rocky land on their own. They're separated from the fellowship that's been traveling to help them destroy the cursed ring at the center of the story. And as they're struggling through this difficult land, they start to doubt the directions that Gandalf gave them. But Frodo insists on pressing on until a while in their journey, Sam looks up and says, this looks strangely familiar. Frodo finally caves, it's because we've been here before. We're going in circles. This is a classic moment in countless stories of people on a journey. They think they're progressing, but they're really lost, unaware that they're going in circles till they see something that makes them say, we've been here before. Every year, Ash Wednesday sneaks up on me. I think it's something to do with how odd January and February can be and how they feel like some false start to the new year. I really wish we celebrated the new year with the coming of spring, letting winter be a gentle end to nature before nature's true start to the new year. But Ash Wednesday always arrives with a surprise as we're just getting settled into the new calendar year. It snuck up on me again this year, but Ash Wednesday is nothing new. We've been here before. This year, we hear a reading from Ecclesiastes 3, which includes the inspiration behind the dust-to-dust theme that's front and center on Ash Wednesday. If you go to the Bible for easy answers or comfortable inspiration, don't go to Ecclesiastes. The very first few verses set the tone as a bit nihilistic, almost sarcastic, and really not optimistic. It says, Perfectly pointless. Everything is pointless. What do people gain from all the hard work that they work so hard at under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains as it always has. One scholar says that Ecclesiastes squirms beneath existential questions about God, life, and justice. It asks that which sometimes we're too afraid to ask, like, Is there any real hope for peace and justice in this world? Or if we're all going to die, what's the meaning of life? Where is the righteousness of God in a world in which so many struggle to survive and some succeed often because of wicked ways? Ecclesiastes was written while the ancient Israelites were under the rule of Persia, which was not the last nor the first oppressive empire to dominate the Jewish people. Persia ruled with a tax-heavy hand, but they offered more economic mobility than the previous rulers, the Babylonians. Plus, Persia let the Israelites return to their land and rebuild the temple that Babylon had destroyed. Many Israelites thus had become a bit distracted by the relative comfort of Persian rule, and they forgot that they weren't truly free. Ecclesiastes packs a punch then when it says that everything is pointless, especially in chapter 2 when it goes to include things like building homes, amassing wealth, and accomplishing achievement, all things which were withheld from the Israelites. Ecclesiastes was written, though, as if it came way before Persian or even Babylonian rule. So its first audience would have heard these words, and they would have thought back to the full cycle of Israel's story from slavery under Egypt, to liberation into the promised land, to Babylonian captivity, to the world they then knew under Persia. The book cuts through distractions and shades of difference and says 
There's nothing new under the sun. Everything reaches the same futile fate, and we've been here before. A couple of weeks ago, I rewatched my favorite movie, Arrival, which I actually used in the first sermon I preached here at Country Club. In that instance, I used the movie's story of aliens invading or arriving to Earth as a comparison to the wise men in Matthew 2. Both the aliens and the wise men were strangers from a faraway place that had an unexpected and unconventional knowledge that would go to change the world. However, without spoiling too much, the movie Arrival really ends up being less about aliens and more about memory, loss, and time itself. The film begins with the voiceover from the main character, Louise Banks. She's talking to her daughter, Hannah. The visuals show a montage in which Hannah is born, grows up, and then dies as she succumbs to some strange illness while she's still just a late teenager. Louise's words introduce the movie by saying, I used to think that this was the beginning of your story. Memory is a strange thing. It doesn't work like I thought it did. We are so bound by time, by its order, Now I'm not so sure I believe in beginnings and endings. There are days that define your story beyond your life, like the day they arrived. The story then snaps the day in which 12 alien ships mysteriously arrive across the globe, leading Louise into an encounter that shapes how she sees the very story of this daughter that she's lost and how she sees her own story herself. Through this process, Louise realizes that Beginnings and endings don't work like we quite think they do. And that life, even when it meets an unexpected and tragically early end, is defined by moments in between. Ones that often sneak up on us and make us say, haven't we been here before? Throughout the movie, Louise has moments that feels like deja vu. And they help her come to a deeper understanding of the shape of time. Towards the end of the movie, she asks, If you could see your whole life from start to finish, would you change things? It's obvious that life doesn't quite work this way. Life isn't a straight line between start and finish that's made up of simple conscious choices. The stories of our lives are shaped less like a line and more like a circle or a cycle. Remember a podcast that came out in April 2020 that explored this idea. Christian author and speaker Rob Bell has a podcast cleverly called The Robcast. And he has an episode called A Bit About Time that talks about the different frameworks humanity has used for thinking about time. He talks about how for prehistoric humans, time was simply chaos. It wasn't really something people thought about except for maybe what time of day it was. Daily survival, hunting and gathering, those were the main priorities. However, as humanity evolved and developed into an agricultural society, people began to pay attention to the passing of time, particularly through the changing of seasons. Time then became something cyclical, each season related to the others as time circled through spring, summer, fall, and winter. Each season was unique, offering its own challenges and opportunities, and each fit into the greater rhythm of life. This view of time, however, gave way as the world became industrialized and modern. 
Humanity adapted to a concept of linear time in which time progresses on a straight line forever forward into the future. Linear time has been a helpful way of thinking because it's given us much of the framework we've needed for the massive progresses we've made in recent centuries, from new technology to progress in how we think and how we treat other people. However, reducing time to equal units on a line-shaped calendar, that obscures time's true dynamism, and it leads us to forget the wisdom of cyclical or seasonal time. And in a strictly linear way of thinking about time, life's major disruptions, like a global pandemic, become irreconcilable with the story of linear progress that we assume happens as time goes on. Rob Bell says this is why so many of us struggle to make sense of the world back in 2020 when it suddenly stopped and shut down. Life and time, we thought, were always supposed to be moving forward, moving us on to the next. Bell encouraged us to not worry about where a moment in time is getting us, but rather to reclaim some of the sense of cyclical time. Instead of asking what product or progress will come out of any moment, we ought to seek to be more deeply present to both the challenge and the opportunity of any moment or any season within the cycles of our lives. We're here again on Ash Wednesday, and tonight we're invited to become more deeply present to where we find ourselves right now in the cycle of our life and death. This Ash Wednesday comes with fresh news that freaks us out. COVID rates have gone down, but like Ecclesiastes says, who really is able to see what will happen in the future? We don't know if this all is as close to being over as we really hope. And again, there's war in Europe. Russia's invasion of Ukraine is the largest attack in European history since World War II, which we're reminded wasn't that long ago. This war is new, but... We've been here before too, and for most people my age or younger, it's a reminder of how America's been at war for almost our entire lives. We've just been fighting in countries that don't quite look like us and feel somehow farther away. Tonight too, we may find our own individual stories within one of the many times referenced in Ecclesiastes 3. We may be anticipating new birth or grieving the death of a loved one. We may be closing a significant chapter in our lives or taking an exciting new step. We may be mourning a lost opportunity at work or school, or we may be dancing in excitement for what we know the spring will hold. Whether we find ourselves in a mood for embracing and speaking and loving, or whether life has us in a place where we want to withdraw, avoid, and keep silent, we've been here before. This Ash Wednesday is in some ways different, but it's still familiar. We've been here before. Are we just lost going in circles? Or can we find ourselves in a moment more free within the dynamic cycle of the story of our lives? Here in a few moments, we will practice the ancient tradition of receiving ashes on our forehead, which is a reminder that each of us will die ourselves. This act begins the season of Lent, a time in which we prepare ourselves for Easter by meditating on resurrection's opposite, death. Lent, though, comes from a word that means spring, and each year it's a time of bright sadness, as some traditions say. Lent is more than a brief season we must endure to get to resurrection on the other side. 
Lent and Ash Wednesday remind us of the dust that represents both life and death and how that dust is not dirty, it's sacred. It's a reminder of the story in Genesis in which God creates humanity from the dust of the earth that God had just pronounced as good. Wherever we find ourselves tonight, within the cycles of our life, God calls our dusty and dirt-made experiences good. We've been here before, and we'll be here again, but it doesn't have to feel like a pointless, closed circle. The more we become present to the cyclical shapes of our lives and the fact that we're all going to die, the less circular our journeys feel, and the more we feel ourselves cycling into the depth of God's own infinite being. Though we may die, we are now alive, and our endings or beginnings don't define our stories. And though we are finite, we are a part of God's eternal creation, somehow infinite ourselves, and the dust that God's breath makes into our finite bodies is indeed good. Amen.